Welcome to Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. About health and sex education in today's modern classroom. Get an inside peek into the world of sex education and real life stories from teachers. Hosted by experienced educators Drew and Dr. G, each episode brings you an open and honest discussion about a range of topics related to health and sex education. Follow us on Spotify, podcasts on Apple, or our YouTube channel, Sex Ed in the City. Stay connected. We hope to see you soon. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sex Ed in the City with Drew and Dr. G. Hi, Drew. Hi, Dr. G. Good to see you again. What's up? Good to see you. I love your shirt today. For those that can't see, he's wearing his uh, the Queer Agenda shirt. So I love it. Yes, love this shirt. Got some feedback from the kids today. They liked it too. Nice. Oh my God, have you seen the one that's like, it's a notebook and it says the Queer Agenda, like a, a planner? <laughs> it's like a rainbow planner that says the Queer Agenda. It's so good. I, I thought it was like, going to have something in it. No, it's just a regular that. planner, like an agenda, like a planner. <laughs> <laughs> One kid actually asked me today, they said, are you going to teach us the queer agenda? (laughs) (laughs) And I was kind of thinking, well, if you're doing like health and sex ed right, it could be a little bit of the queer agenda. I mean, is it an agenda (laughs) or is it just like basic human rights? Ooh, (laughs) touche. Yeah. Put me in my place. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know I wasn't meaning to put you in your place. (laughs) No, but honestly. Okay, are you ready for it? We're trying something new for the question of the day today. Oh, I'm excited. As teachers, we have to use our creative side because I'm always Googling like fun questions, ask deep, meaningful questions, and they all suck. So I was thinking, what can I ask Dr. G today? And they all suck. (laughs) They do suck. They're just like so basic. And I also forget what we've we've asked. So I found this website today. That actually that gives rapid fire questions. Oh, so rather okay. than one deep question, I'm going to ask. I'm going to set the timer for we'll say a minute, okay. and I'm just going to read these questions, and you're going to respond. They Wait, are just like quick. Okay, no explanation. Okay, I'm just going to read them, and you're going to respond. They're very. They can. I think they're pretty short. Okay. If I'm you ready. like, yes, this no, is it's exciting. Like, yeah. I'm going to do a minute 15 because I feel like a minute's short. <clears throat> okay, I'm ready. All right, let me pull it up. Yeah. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. What celebrity annoys you the most? Oh, Taylor Swift. Oh, damn. Do you believe in free will? Yes. Are you more of a thinker or a doer? Doer. What moment would you most like a do-over of? Ooh, when my dad passed away. If you could afford any car, which one would you drive? Ooh, I would get a G-Wagon. Yes. What's your favorite type of music? 90s hip-hop. What is the strangest thing you ever saw while walking down the street? I mean, I lived in New York City for 20 years. Like, I've seen every body part. Like, probably a guy penis, like, helicoptering his penis. 
<laughs> Maybe that's, I mean, that's one of the many fun things I've seen. <laughs> What's the worst present you've ever received? Um, nothing. Like, receiving nothing. How do you cope with hardship? Ooh, <laughs> ignore it. <laughs> no, just <laughs> kidding. Just keep uh, day by day, one step at a time. That is your timer. <laughs> oh, wow. That was so quick. Oh, my God. This is fun. Did All you right. want more time? I think we could do this another week, too. This is good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Okay, I have so, so many questions, I... too. I wanted to dig in there. And I was like. Tell me about Mr. Helicopter Penis. Tell me about all these things. <laughs> okay. Okay, let me put a timer. You did a minute 15? Yes. Okay. One minute and 15 seconds. Hi, my name's Rachel. How can I do technology? Okay. <laughs> okay, ready? I think so. Okay, and do you have your own Netflix account or do you use someone else's? I use my own. What's your guilty pleasure? Napping. Nice. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh, my God. Lana Del Rey, Shania Twain, Rihanna. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, what was your last Google search? Don't lie. Um, stuff about abortion. Okay. What was your last impulse buy? Um, damn, damn, damn. I buy all these things. Pass. Okay. What's your favorite holiday? Summer holiday. Okay. Nice. Uh, what <laughs> makes you angry? Um, the Republican party. <laughs> um, what lesson that took you a long time to learn? Figuring out how to be yourself when the world is constantly trying to make you try to fit in. Mm, yeah. And the last one, um, if you got the chance to start life over, would you take it? Do I get to keep all my knowledge? No, just... Clean slate, do over. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, me neither. Oh, whoever wants to be in middle school again? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you could run that school. You could invest like a dollar and you'd be like a billionaire by the time you got out of high school. You wouldn't have to yeah. work. Oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was trying to think of my impulse buy. I, def I impulse buy all the time books, definitely books. Okay, answer that mm. question. Oh my God. I have so many books. I went to the Miami book fair a couple of weeks ago. I'm not allowed to buy any more books until I read the 700 <laughs> art that are on my list, but then you meet the authors and they sign it and you get excited. And I just bought like six books. Hardcover. Also love buying them from places that aren't glamazon. Yeah, for sure. I it's like, also like I a find... really thoughtful gift. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I like when I find a, a book that I've been wanting to read or an old book um, like at Goodwill or something like that. Not that I go to Goodwill that often, my, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's like 10 cents or a dollar. It's like, yes, ah, so good. I love it. I love collecting books. Like mm. I, my apartment's so small, but I have like a whole wall of them. And I, yeah. 
I will give them away as like gifts and that means so much, but I want to hang on to those babies. I want a yeah. big old library in my grown-up yes, house when I'm same. a grown-up. <laughs> I want one of those like tall libraries where you have the ladder and you can be like, Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> those are so cool. Uh, someday. I got to get out of my one to- bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Matt, keep making money so we can afford that San Diego <laughs> palace with the Beauty and the Beast <laughs> bookstore whatever it is yeah oh my gosh it's so funny I have a friend who was like she I don't know she we were talking about borrowing books and I like my books back I let people borrow them she's Mm -hmm. like I hate when people loan me a book and ask for it back and I'm like what (laughs) I was like what are you talking about? It's so funny, but but it's funny how like some people are book people and some people are not. Um, and it's not a judgment. It's just like you're like into books or you're not into books. I feel like. Yeah, that is such an important thing though. Like people give them away and expect them back. I feel like if I'm giving it away, like ninety percent of the time, I want you to keep it. Mm. But I am like I secretly want them back. I definitely mm. do. Well, I'm if I loan it to someone, if someone says, "Oh, can I read this?" Sure, but I'm expecting it back. Obviously, if I give someone a gift, I'm not expecting it back. But like, if someone, if I borrow someone's book, I give it back. Am I wrong? Or maybe it's not right or wrong, but like. Curious. I think it depends. Yeah. It's a very dependent thing. Yeah. But I always try to keep them if I can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe that's just part of my personality. I like to keep my own shit. <laughs> I'm very possessive. Yeah. Yeah. So So I think we're having a deep convo today. Yeah. We are. It's, I don't even know how we came up with this topic. I think I was listening to the daily podcast and it came up and I was like, let's talk about it. Mm. Um, Abortion is the topic of the day. Yeah. You know, I, um, I just started it with a new company and uh, we, it's in our open enrollment for insurance. And because I work at a place that's remote with people all over the country, there's like different ones depending on your state, but because of where I am, there's only one option, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. So we're, it's a question and answer period. And I was like, okay, so I understand this might be complicated to answer, but for those of us that live in States that have prohibited medical care, if we have to travel to another state to get a service like abortion is like the insurance company get a report to our state like and and that's a thing that i guess i haven't really thought about in this whole conversation is like if you know cuz i live in florida if i needed if i needed an abortion and i go home to new york to get one will i have to pay for it out of pocket um because the insurance it clearly says coverage varies based on state okay we know why so they won't care you know cover it in florida but if i go out of state will it cover it and then if i get it will i like be reported to the florida government and go to jail i mean not a risk i'm willing to take i'll just pay for it cash but it was interesting i never had to think about that before yeah entering this conversation as well for me as like a cis man and like I've I've had like a pregnancy scare with a partner before but never had to deal with 
the thought of having to get abortions um yeah also this episode could be i want to give us like a little content warning just in case like this topic is tough for people um take care of yourself or maybe this is the episode to skip mm-hmm. but yeah the, it, it's so politicized now and there's so there's so many different rules and ways to quote unquote get in trouble it's it's kind of scary like if you leave to go get one if you send for uh, like a medical abortion in a different state and get pills or in a different country mm-hmm. i heard like india does mm-hmm. sends pills i don't i'm forgetting the correct term but could you get in trouble for that like what's the consequence yeah yeah i have to look into it more well you know what's interesting is i'm actually having a, a gynecological procedure next week um which um it's a uterine biopsy and so in which can be very painful because they go in through the cervix right so the cervix is small something going through it is painful um folks that have cervixes and if you ever had an iud <laughs> you know that vibe um so uh my gynecologist prescribed me um uh my sopristol, which I'm sure I'm saying wrong because I always say um, medication names wrong, but it's one of the pills for the abort for medical abortion. And I looked at it and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to have any trouble at the pharmacy. Um, I haven't gone to pick it up yet. So, <clears throat> you know, to be determined, but um, it'll be interesting to see if there's any I mean, you know, my doctor didn't say anything. She was just like, hey, you know, I don't even know if she knows that I know what that is. <laughs> you know, like we don't talk about like, what my profession is. But I, when yeah. I saw the medication, because it, it softens the cervix, so it won't be as painful. That's why I'm getting it. So I'm just curious as to what will come up when I go to the pharmacy. I would imagine that you'd be fine if the doctor's prescribing it, right? If the doctor knows the laws and what's okay. You're just nervous. I mean, one would hope. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think. I mean, I, I recently switched pharmacies because my old pharmacist was just rude. I've never had a rude pharmacist before. And I was like, ma'am, I I just, I've just never been treated that way at a pharmacy before. And like, they treated mm-hmm. everyone that way. It was just a rude person. Um, So, and my new pharmacy, they're really nice there. Shout out to Walgreens. Let's go. Um, <laughs> uh, we love a Walgreens. Yeah. So, but we'll see. I have to go pick it up this week, actually. Um, but I, I, what's ridiculous is I shouldn't have to be worrying about that. Like, it, it, is there going to be an investigation? Because I got one part of, you know, like, I don't, that's where my head is like, is someone going to cut? Like, I don't know. You know, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, the uh, for those listening from other countries, and we have some international listeners, mm-hmm. abortion is just extremely politicized in the United States. Mm-hmm. What is regarded as a medical procedure or a, a health procedure in most countries around the world, or a lot of developed countries, the United States has turned into this big moral mm-hmm. issue. And it's fascinating because as I was looking stuff up for this app, 1973, like Roe v. Wade was established, which made it legal. 
and back then it really wasn't a political issue like dems repubs were both on the same side the catholic church has never been forward in america um but a lot of people it wasn't as politicized and like most people were adamantly for it and just as time has progressed um people using it as a way to like weaponize um to get right-wing christian voters it's it's just become this big thing and it's also obviously very complicated and we'll dig into that today but it sucks that it's become that you know i was also reading that joe biden was an example of a person who voted no at one point against abortion right mm -hmm. so it's important to acknowledge that like people can change mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a shit fire right now. Never in my life. I mean, I was born in 1977, right? So I'm 46. Never in my life have I thought there would be a time when I lived, when I wouldn't be able to access abortion. Like I remember in the 80s being young and talking to my mom about abortion because mm -hmm. in our town, my the town I grew up in was very religious, like um, a lot of Christians. And, and you know, there were people my friends' moms and they would go and them, their my friends and their moms and they would go stand like protest against abortion yeah. and, and things like that. Um, and so I remember talking about it with my mom and I remember her telling me about it and talking to me about it. And I remember her talking about the movie If These Walls Could Talk. It's a mm. movie that came out, I think in the 80s, um, maybe even the 70s, but Cher is in it, but it's basically a, a movie. Um showing different instances about what has happened with abortion um, over time with women. It's basically these walls could talk and see what has happened to women. So I remember talking about abortion at a young age with my mom and love and, that. Yeah. And I never thought in my life I would live in a time where I couldn't get an abortion. Like it's wild to me that at 46, I'm like, oh shit, what if I get pregnant? Like because I've always had multiple options. And uh, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> like, it's it's like baffling. Like, it's it's so baffling and unbelievable that if I need an abortion, there's a chance I could go to jail in 2023. what yeah and the fact that it was just unprecedented how it was legal for so long and then with the mm -hmm. dobbs decision it getting mm -hmm. overturned mm -hmm. um and i don't even i can't even articulate as to why like they feel it's like a state's right or something like that when just like we talked about last week with americans sporting sex ed mm -hmm. majority of americans support some kind of abortion mm -hmm. stats Gallup poll, 2023 in May. So this was already like a good chunk of time after Dobbs has been overturned. 34% of Americans think it should be legal under any circumstance. I fall into that category. It's not my place to tell somebody what to do with their body. 51%, which is probably the majority, legal under certain instances, 13% illegal in all, and 2% unsure. So again, we have this thing where it's like majority of people want something, the government's not doing it. Mm -hmm. 
fuck off people <laughs> I, I, for me it goes back to like if you don't want to have an abortion because i know there are people in my life that like strongly do not would not have abortions and i'm like okay so then do not have one but i think um oh. what is that Ugh, I'm, I'm so bad at people's names her name's anna i want to say something like farkas oh god that's not it hmm. she um she's a newscaster on Listen, y'all, my perimenopause has me forgetting all the names. Anyway, someone write in and remind me her last name. And um, But she talked about her religion. She was like, I respect your religion. Please practice your religion. But you yes. don't have the right to put your religion on me. And, and I think for me, that's what it comes down to based on how we were raised of the the concepts of the United States, right? All that stuff that we're like, it's pounded into our brains growing up that free, we can do what we want, separation, church and state. And then I'm like, mm, that was a lie. Um, yeah, let's be clear about it. Like, yeah. and it's also certain types of Christianity that have this feeling. This is mm -hmm. not all religions. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Judaism is like, I won't, I don't yeah. want to say for abortion, but like. Jews are know, pr pretty progressive in, in many ways. Support abortion um, rights. Yeah. I guess is what yeah. I would say. It's not something that we as Jews have on our docket. Um, there might be some different feelings in like super Orthodox communities, ultra Orthodox yes. communities. Um, but yep. again, that's a very small percentage of American Jews anyway. And it's become this big thing. I have a bunch of people who are, it's interesting. Well, let's talk about the language first, because mm -hmm. I'm curious about your thoughts. People say it's uh, pro-life or pro-choice. Mm -hmm. And I read a lot of stuff about the term pro-life and it not actually being pro-life, but more of uh, pro-birth or mm -hmm. being anti-choice. I'm curious what mm -hmm. your thoughts are about or if you know any language that people are using. Yeah. Well, I, again, I've read those articles as well. And I think that's a very like, um, I've worked with a couple like media specialists and talking about how like movements are born and created and thinking about like the lexicon of words and all of that type mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and that's not my area of expertise, but if we think about what a heated topic this has always been, right? Those words that we're using are in fact what catches people's eyes, what catches people's ears. It's interesting because in South Africa, the, the everyday term is a termination. So, um, but it's, you know how in the U.S. often it's like, oh, they, there's like an abortion. There's like a whisper, like yeah. the whisper talk with it. <laughs> Um, when I was living in South Africa, I didn't find that. I didn't people. I didn't feel people like termination. It was just like, oh, if a person decides to terminate, like that was just like the language in the community I was working in used. Um, I remember I I used that I was writing something for an American based thing, and I got edited that. And they were like, why did you use this word? And they I could tell that they were like activated that I used that word a little bit. Mm. And I was like, sorry, I was in my South African brain. Um, I have to like switch but I mean that is right 
I mean, the, the words that we use and, and the way we make meaning is so important. Have you read this book? Let me tell you the title right now before I mess it up. Dr. Yep, Eli Green is sharing it with me. I read what it. Book? What do you know? What is it? I'm totally, I'm totally kidding. Oh, I'm like, wait, how are you reading my mind? <laughs> um, it's called, so I, this is one of the books I need to read. It's on my buy book. It's called, Don't Think of an Elephant. Know Your Values. Oof. Don't Think of an Elephant. Know Your value, Values and Frame the Debate. And it's by George Lakoff. Um, and it's, it's a, they have a new version out, um, but it's all about framing and language and and how we you know we choose different terms and things so that's on my list of things to read again it was recommended to me by dr eli green who is like a genius as far as i'm concerned when it comes to retweet yep yeah um putting language together and and framing things so that's on my agenda of things to read but we don't I mean, even go ahead no I, I was gonna say the point you brought up about south africa and their language just I think speaks so much to like the stigma that we have here in the United States mm -hmm. and the shame and the fact that we view it as a moral thing versus a health procedure, right? I'm imagining South Africans are like, okay, this is something that needs to happen. It's a health issue. I'm not a bad person. I'm not going to hell yeah. if I do this. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure there are people that feel that way. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's very interesting. The amount of Christian missionary groups that are in South Africa, especially Seventh-day Adventists, which I, I found very interesting when I first moved in. Hmm. So that's a thing for another podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, back yeah, to, I think, go ahead. I was just thinking about how we frame things and how political debates are framed. Mm-hmm. And how marketing is, it's all marketing, right? And the average American and even the not average American, we don't realize these things because they've been ingrained into us, right? Like the home of the brave, freedom. Mm -hmm. These phrases have, are like so in us because they've been like pounded into us for our whole lives. Then now they're like being switched and turned and meant meaning something else than I thought they meant and even when it comes to abortion like you know the chat you know um the rights of the unborn child and, and things like that I'm like what yeah it's it's like manipulation it's like misinformation it's mm -hmm. like often disinformation intended to to cause fear yeah right i think the party that's anti-choice or people who are anti well i won't speak for everybody they use fear as a weapon right mm -hmm. they don't see it as a health procedure they don't know that it's a very common very safe medical procedure that when administered by a doctor who's trained it's it's very successful yeah I don't know if successful is the right word there uh it's safe and effective yeah safe and effective not this well I'm sure it can be traumatizing mm -hmm. but like if it's done with a doctor's office versus a person having to like scrounge and figure out how to do it themselves and maybe getting somebody who's not trained which happens when abortion is made illegal 
It's a totally mm -hmm. different thing, a totally different experience. Yeah. Yeah. I also, it's just the fact that so many things are wrong in this country <laughs> and forcing people to give birth. It's just so frustrating. Do we know how much it is to raise a child till they're 18? Oh, I'm sure this it's year? like $800,000 or something ridiculous. It's 200, I just Googled it, $240,000 to get a kid to 18 without college, right? So thinking about the finances, stupid. Yeah. That's a life ruining amount of money. And also like, what if you just don't want kids? Like I have made a conscious choice in my life to not have children. And I, I was thinking about it. I was like, what if, what would I do if I got pregnant at 46? That means I would have like, I'd be 60 dealing with like a 15 year old. That's an asshole. <laughs> and also like tell me to buy them. Things. Like I can't imagine myself ever being a parent. So being forced to have one and people like, okay, you know, all right. You know, I can use birth control and all these things, but I know so many people that got pregnant on birth control. Mm -hmm. It does happen. Even IUDs, you know? Um, <laughs> like, I know several people that got pregnant with an IUD in their body. Um, yeah. And, and even if people aren't using birth control and they get pregnant, like, it still should be their choice on whether or not they decide to continue on. And I think the there's so much misinformation about what abortion actually looks like. You know, you mm -hmm. see all these horrible pictures and all these things. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, you, you hear the crisis pregnancy centers that like trick, you know, young people, especially, but people that just don't know. Um, and it's really scary. Yeah, to your point as well. Imagine you as a a forty six year old having to give birth in Florida. United States has the highest maternal mortality rate of any yeah. high income country. Yeah, they're gonna make you give birth, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, prioritizing that over you who have lived a a long life yeah. and who has more life ahead of them feels. Yeah wacky to me well I mean you know I'm pretty privileged in the fact that I could just travel somewhere mm -hmm. relatively easily to get abortion an abortion but many people do not have that option like I don't have kids in school already I don't have you know I have a remote job like I that's something that I could relatively easy do if I needed to do it but I would say the majority of people that can get pregnant are not especially if they're young people in school you know if they're high school college and then how are they going there they're going by themselves like like you know it's very sad united or i think this is an interesting topic to bring up because or i'm curious about your thoughts as well my students when we're like, oh, it's sex ed, like 
they always want to talk about it. It is, and maybe it's because it's been in the news so much with everything, but they are always so curious, ask so many questions. They make sure to spend at least a day on it. And on abortion specifically. Yeah. And we also yeah. talk about, I mean, all things associated with sex ed and abortions like mm-hmm. contraception access, um, mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood, things like that. Did you find that similar when you were teaching high school? We, I never took a day to talk about it because of the places where I taught, it wouldn't have mm-hmm. been a wise decision for my career. Now, that being said, I didn't not talk about it, right? If someone asked me a question, I would answer. And we would talk, I would always share with my students in New York State, the minor's right to reproductive health. I would always share that brochure with them and we'd go through it. And I'd say, you have, you know, because in New York State, you know, minors can get an abortion without parental consent or um, uh, even letting them know, right? They can do it all on their own. And I remember, I'll never forget a time where a parent was pretty mad and he, uh, it's a dad and he was like, you know, I don't appreciate you telling your, my daughter, she can do it without my permission. And I was like, well, I'm not telling her what to do. I'm sharing with her, her rights and the law. And I sent it to him and he was not pleased to find that out that it was a law. Um, And he didn't like come after me or anything because I was just like, this is what I'm like, all I'm doing is sharing their rights, but he was not happy. Um, Because I, even the, I mean, they, at the, there's a lot of adults that don't know that minors have that right. When I was teaching in one building, the counts, the head of the counselors was like, well, you have to tell the counselors if students are pregnant. I was like, no, that law is long past because there mm-hmm. was a time when you did have to do that. So, so many adults don't know the rules. And so I think teaching young people their rights and what they can do is so important. Um. Listen, I, I do think that when it's safe for them, we should encourage them to talk to their parents. But also it's not safe for everyone to tell their parents. So they have to do what's best for them. Definitely not always safe. And there's still like so much shame and mm-hmm. like fear in regards to it. I find a hard time. I I feel so passionately about it. It's really hard for me to like stay neutral in in school I, I feel like I can do it okay but if this topic comes up like at home or like that's pretty much the only other time it comes up but wait at home, so do your parents believe differently than you because I know they are religious they do yeah they are all uh I I would say they would call themselves pro-life so we've gotten into that debate and I, I now welcome it, but it's hard not to get emotional and just like shake mm-hmm. my head because I am very stubborn and I believe I'm right in a lot of things mm-hmm. and it just feels, it, it's hard. It's like, I mm-hmm. care about you people so much. How can we be so different? Mm-hmm. And it, it makes sense. I hear their points. They're very much like what I would call a fetus is a child and I'm thinking of the parents right to choose what mm-hmm. they do with their body which i believe is a human right yeah well bless you for even talking about it i cannot debate controversial topics <laughs> with people that i love 
because I get too emotional and I just start, I yeah. all my training, everything that I do in my work, <laughs> when I can talk and give both sides goes out the window when it's like people that I care about. I'm like, and it's yeah. gone. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Dr. Green's book. This topic would be like, or this would be a really good, his yeah. book would be a great yeah. topic. For it. But I also you know, think, go ahead. I think it's, no, go ahead. One more thing and then I'll let you go. I think it's important not, I read Emily Zion. She was on our podcast last mm-hmm. uh, year. She used to work in a Planned Parenthood and she's written a couple articles about teaching abortion, teaching about abortion and health and sex ed. And one of the big things she says is, which I agree with is like, don't debate it in your classroom. Yeah, Teachers like to do debates. Not about like, that. This, Yeah, it's because it's not a, it's not a debate. Like it's a, it's a health issue and that's how you frame it. And mm-hmm. you can wrap the standard. That's how I try to do it. I, I wrap mm-hmm. the standards into it, accessing valid and reliable info. Where can I find services? Analyzing mm-hmm. the influences of why we feel these ways about abortion, I think yeah. is important too, but do not debate it in your classroom. Yeah, We'll link these articles in the, in the podcast yeah. notes. They're really helpful for educators. Yeah. And I think, you know, allowing people to not believe in abortion is fine. If, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's the whole pressing the values on my, my actions. That is, that is the scary part and is the larger issue. And so much about like control. Yes. Bodies. Did you, do you watch Handmaid's Tale? Mm-hmm. Did you see the episode? I don't know. It was in one of the most more recent seasons where um, it's flashing back to like before Gilead and it's showing one of the characters and I can't remember which one because obviously I can't remember anything anymore. Um, And she goes, she wants to get an abortion and she ends up going to a crisis pregnancy center first. And they do such a good job of showing how that happens. But then she leaves and and something happens. And then she ends up going to um, an actual health clinic and they show how it's supposed to happen. And this very different experience she has. And that's one of the best representations in media that I've seen about the difference between the two qualities of care. I thought that was very well done by mm. by that show. So I don't know if folks have seen it, but um definitely if you can check that out. Um it was yeah. just really so telling and just like really shows the difference because I think people don't understand what happens at crisis pregnancy centers. They don't understand because I know people that, you know, would say that they are pro-life, but I don't think they understand the extent to which um, some of these policies are carried out. Um, At least I hope they do. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm hoping these people that I love are like, yeah, actually that's the right thing to do. Um, but it was a really good episode. It was one of my favorite episodes of the show, actually. The I don't know if I'm ever going to watch that show again because it is <laughs> gruesome, dramatic, and it's horrifying because it sometimes feels like it could happen. Yeah, <laughs> with the way this country goes, well, and that's very. I mean, it has nice. happened. If you think about our history, and you think about enslaved folks, like. Mm. handmade sale did happen to black folks in this country um so 
you know, it's interesting. People always talk about that. They say, you know, people are like, oh, it could happen. And black, you know, there's a lot of black scholars that are like, it did. Remember, Alan. they sold the children. They did the things. Um, so I think that's an important part of our history to also yeah. think about. Um, this has happened before mm -hmm. um, in our country. And, you know, Handmaid's Tale is just happening to white people. So people are like, oh, you know, clutch the pearls now. Valid. So white I think that's something privilege. to really think about. I'll check myself on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think people don't think about it. I don't, you know, I, I think people are like, oh, shit. That did happen. Like, think of all the Black folks in the U.S. who, like, don't know their lineage past a certain number of ancestors because of slavery. And, and while I think it's so important that, you know, I, th I do think it's a, a show that is bringing social issues to light. I do think we have to be careful as white people to be like, <gasps> it's turning into Handmaid's Tale because that was the reality mm. for so many people in our country and, and their families. Um, yeah. That is so true. Yeah. But I get it. I couldn't watch it. When it first came out, I watched the first episode and I was like, oh, hell no. And I didn't watch it. I didn't start watching it till after pandemic, till I moved to Florida in 2021. I couldn't handle watching it because it was so traumatic. I'm like, my life is traumatic enough. I don't need to like be like watching this show. But then I, I started watching it. And then I started really getting into it more like from an analysis perspective. So for, for me, taking my emotion out and doing the analysis of it is like a little bit safer. But yeah. Also, when is the new season coming out? <laughs> I thought it was done. No, well, maybe it is. I think that maybe. I don't think so. I think there's like another season coming. I don't know. Listen, as everyone can tell, I don't know much these days. I can't remember anything unless <laughs> I wrote it down. So who knows? <laughs> it's eight o'clock, people. She is exhausted. <laughs> yeah, y'all know this is my bedtime. Come on now. 8 p.m. <laughs> on a school night? What? Um, but I do think it's important to talk about. And I think if we talk about to young people more, like I, I was talked to about abortion from a very young age. So it was never like a surprise and not in a negative way. It's just like, this is a thing that happens. Um, and I appreciate that from my mom, Mustang Mindy. Mindy. We love you, Mindy. Sex positive since the seventies. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I think my problem with it is just how I'm, I'm so frustrated at how politicized it's been mm -hmm. and the hypocrisy, right? A lot of people who are outspokenly against abortion for the Republican party have had them themselves. Yeah. You fake as fuck. And yeah. like, they are realizing now in this election for next year that America is not black and white with abortion. They don't want a full ban. And all these conservative ass Republicans who think like six week ban or all this stuff, it, that's not going to get them elected. And they're starting to switch. Like Trump really? calls out DeSantis's, uh, like what is it? Heartbeat bill or a six week bill. So he knows how he feels about it, <laughs> but he's, 
he's he Trump's like caught in the middle. He's like, do I swing this way now? Like, do I change? You can't they tell me that losing. Trump hasn't paid for some people to have an abortion in his life. Oh yeah, he's one of them for yeah. sure. For sure. So all it's these just like, so like rich fake. men fake politicians talking about ooh, I'm like, how many of your mistresses have you paid for have an abortion? Firstly, that. Yeah, it, well, it's <sighs> interesting because I'm down here in Florida, you know, and the media, I'm so kind of um, disjointed from like how things are presented. I'm really excited to come back to uh, New York in a couple <laughs> weeks because I'm like, I need to get out of this bubble that I'm down here because I'm missing things. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, it, it this next election is really going to be a pivotal point in the history of our country i think yeah it's it's scary to think about so i'm i'm not thinking about it (laughs) but yeah i don't know abortion i think i mean i i think before moving to new york i wasn't super involved in politics and i didn't really have an opinion because i wasn't educated and i think upon hearing initially it's like without being educated about anything I would want what's happening the child the fetus to grow and live like in an an ideal world if that person wanted it but the fact is it's just like we don't live in that ideal society like hospital bills are stupid it's dangerous to give birth um I truly believe that part of the reason that they want to keep it or they want to ban abortion is to keep women and people who give birth oppressed um and also to replace people like the labor force i i don't think they actually care about the children being born they make it seem like they do but if that child is anything but like a white cis boy like say it's black or disabled or queer like they don't give a fuck they really don't i think when we go back or talking about like the historical the historical beginning of this like you know anti-abortion movement is really started with um is really started with white supremacy and what you're hearing is right people are like you know when you hear things like in the united by the year whatever whatever the united states will be mostly you know this ethnicity or mixed ethnicities or all these things exactly all that bs how this all really started was really thinking about white supremacists thinking about we have to keep the white race pure and we can't mm-hmm. have these these poor white girls having abortions because then you know we're not going to have the the white race anymore um and it affects so many other folks beyond just white folks but if we look at like kind of like the historical argument around this that's you know where it's coming from all of this white supremacist christian nationalism scary ass bs yeah and it's oh i had a top i had something to say now i can't remember it that's all right um but yeah i just can't believe that you're you actually care about life until like it's born and then it's like you stop caring right yeah this party like votes against 
all the things that would make life better, like raising the minimum wage, mental health services, gender affirming care, right? Yeah. It just feels like it's all about fucking people up, keeping people oppressed. Well, and I think about people that are like, quote unquote, pro-life and also for the death penalty. I don't. And pro-gun. like I'm very confused make it make sense yeah yeah like I don't understand that um I mean because I am I support abortion as a medical you know service at any time no questions asked and I also am against the death penalty like even people like even people that have murdered all the people I don't think we should be putting down I put my dog down and I really I'm still guilty about it not Lola everyone I had another dog before like I I think it's so wrong to the death penalty but I'm like I don't you're saying the death penalty but Mm -hmm. like I'm like I don't understand how those are I I can't like someone please explain it in a way that makes logic to me because I've heard <laughs> no thing. logic. It, I've just it heard doesn't like make rants. Sense. Yeah. Like I was talking to someone and they were said to me, you know, financially, economically, I'm a Republican, but my, Ugh. my, my money doesn't supersede my values for others. So I vote Democrat. And, okay. and I think that was really telling because I think what we have now a different way is thought. this yeah. polarized thing of like Republicans are all this way and all the things and Democrats are all this and da, 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 where there's so many other facets to it. And I think that's the key. Like, and I really appreciate that person saying that because I, I get people that are fiscal republicans i get where they're coming from i don't agree with it but i don't think they're horrible people um it's it's like a business mind it's just like different it's not what i agree with what not what i want but then it's the social aspect part that i'm like but how are you letting just your personal money dictate how others live and that's the problem and so for me I appreciate people that can talk about their politics in a not such a siloed way um, because I do think that's important, especially in our country. We can't debate anymore. It's just like Republican, Democrat, rah, we want to talk. Like that's not helpful in our political debates and our commit- political discussions and our movement as a country, in my opinion. Well, yeah, Definitely people disagree is- with me on that, yeah. but I'm like, mm. There needs to be more nuance and discussions, but it's, it is, it's like such a part of our identity and so much judgment. Like if you hear somebody is this, like you are thinking all the things already and it never, I mean, I imagined it's, it's been divided, but it feels incredibly divided at this point, which is so scary. And I, and I think you're right. I don't think most people are at the extremes. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's funny. One of my mom's friends wouldn't meet me because she found out I was a Democrat. She's like, well, I don't want to meet her. And I was like, well, okay, I don't want to meet you either. And I don't, I was like, we we're going to be besties. <laughs> You're like 70 years old, but all right, like whatever. I, I thought it was uh, pretty interesting that happened. But let me ask you this. Who's the first president you voted for? 
What's the first election you were old enough to vote? It was, I was in college. It wasn't two, okay, yeah, it was 2008, because I was 20. Is that Obama? Yes. Okay. Don't judge me, folks, in history. But I didn't, I didn't even know what I was doing. Like, I knew nothing about either candidates. I didn't understand the party system. I don't even know who I talked to that told me to do it. I was just so... And I feel like this way about some people in my life too, is just like, they don't know what's going on because it doesn't matter to them or they feel like it doesn't matter to them, right? Like when I was in little central PA, like I was in the closet. I didn't even like admit to myself I was gay. Like I wasn't concerned about gay rights. I wasn't really traveling around the world. So I wasn't thinking about other people in the world. Like I wasn't following the news. So it was just like, does it even matter how I vote? I don't care, like blah, blah, blah. Ugh. I think that's a big regret in my life. If I had your question earlier, is like I would go back and be voting all the fucking time and be a lot more outspoken about it. You know, I feel so privileged because okay, remember the night of the the Trump won his election. <laughs> and I was in Brooklyn and I went out with a friend to watch the results and we're watching. And as we're talking, I realized she didn't understand the election process. She didn't understand electorate. She didn't like none of it. So I was literally giving her like a civics lesson. And I was like, wait, didn't you go to like school? Like, and she was like, my parents, I'm, she's like, I'm first gen. My parents didn't teach me this. And I was like, oh shit. Because I remember my mom, she would get the little booklet, the little newsprint booklet in the mail. And she would read every measure, every thing to be voted on every candidate she would read all about them she would mark her booklet and she would go and vote like I that was something that was very important to my mom and then when I got to college the first election I voted in was when uh, Clinton was elected for the first time and Mm. I remember voting for him and I remember like doing all the things and I'm like wow It, it it was that moment in my privilege of like oh I'm not first gen I mean I'm third, but that's like a while, you know, third gen, that's like a while ago, you know? Um, and I had a mom that like modeled voting. So it was interesting to be with a friend that was like, I was literally like explaining to them how, like yeah. what a primary election was, the general, like all of those things. And I, and I, I think that there are a large population of Americans that don't understand from all backgrounds. 100% how the voting system works and why we're not teaching that in school. I don't understand. The electoral college is also confusing as it's like, I mean, I get it now, but like I'm a 35 year old. It's, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Like, I think I'm very for like the popular vote and I, I get the whole argument for everything, but also kudos to your mom for doing that i love that she was an informed voter like if you're informed and you know what's going on yeah right on i think people who don't know are dangerous yeah um and maybe not intentionally obviously they're ignorant but Mm -hmm. like why are you not educating yourself is i guess what i'm curious about and i have those people in my life and i feel like i've been that person but with tech now it is incredibly easy to do anything or find out any piece of information it's unbelievable yeah technology has really changed us 
for so many ways. One, I was interesting because when Obama was elected, that's one of the first times we saw, like one of the big things about his campaign is that he was able to um, utilize technology from a grassroots perspective. So people talked about that a lot. Like he did it in such like a, a powerful way, but then, you know, we see as the years have gone by, it's being like twisted. And, you know, I really, I, I, I really think that folk, Obama's election and presidency really just pulled back this veil in our country of that is not healed and it is still racist and it's still a hot mess and as excited as we were that Obama was president I mean I was in Harlem the night he got elected with friends and let me tell you the party I mean that was such a memorable moment of my life it was so dope but or and I should say I remember seeing things on Facebook because it was the Facebook back then of like people I went to high school with and literally the only thing they didn't like about him was his blackness. And I think that people. just really yeah. showed because people are like, oh, America, we're so great. We're not racist. Now we have a black president. And I think that him being a pre his presidency, then, you know, we, we've seen the rise of all these hate groups um coming to the forefront you know like groups like the proud boys and all these other you know hate groups that they may have been there but they've definitely increased in numbers and become more visible there's a lot of like really strong misinformation and just lying about barack including yeah. by donald trump himself <laughs> Oh my god, remember the whole birther thing and the whole birth oh certificate? Oh my god, birth certificate, like, he's such a piece of shit. I want to apologize. <laughs> on behalf of, I've been dragging Republicans in this, and I, I feel a little bad about it. Um, So I apologize for all the strong language and how harshly I've come down <laughs> in this app. But... Do you identify as a Democrat or progressive or independent or abolitionist or or what would you, or a liberal, like, what would you say your specific yeah. party is? I would have to look more into that specifically. I would lean more like progressive slash leftist. Um, those are big words. I don't, I am registered as a Democrat so that I can vote in the primaries. Mm -hmm. um, how about you? Yeah, I'm registered as Democrat as well uh, for the, for voting purposes. I would love and would fancy myself to be an abolitionist, but I know that my actions and my belief system is, is not there yet. I want to be there and I still have a lot of learning to do um, and a lot of different actions to take to, to be that. Um, so I would say I'm progressive slash democratic socialist vibes i i'm i don't know if i fully understand what an abolitionist means yeah um how would you explain what that means oh gosh i'm gonna mess it up and then i'm gonna get added 
um, which is why I can't identify as abolitionist because, but it's really people <laughs> that want to abolish the prison system, right? Want to abolish, yes. want to abolish white supremacy, all of those things. And I, and I, I believe punishment. to really, to really identify as abolitionist or the people that I admire that identify as abolitionists really are doing a hundred percent all of the work. And I feel like I don't, I'm not there to claim that I'm abolitionist. Um, I still have a lot of work to do in my, my learning and my politics and things. So. This was a deep and emotional filled episode. Um, I love the quote. Well, I'll finish my thoughts from a RBG quote, which is the ability to control one's body is intrinsic to controlling one's life. And I think that speaks a lot to how I feel about this topic. And I know it's a hard topic for people to navigate. I feel privileged to be able to talk about it in a, a real medically accurate science-based way in New York City. And I know that a lot of our listeners don't have that and have to work a lot harder to help their young people. So kudos to all of you who are doing that work. Yeah. Um, for me, I just want to give kudos to all the activists that are doing all the underground work of getting people access. And if, you know, if ever there's a time now is the time to do the things. You know, people ask that question, what would I have done during slavery times? Well, now's the time to show, you know, and I think our actions now. And um, I think for me, I have a lot of, uh, of growing still to do um, and a lot of actions still to take, but I really want to give a shout out to all those activists and all those people that are doing that deep, hard, scary work, putting their lives and their families at risk for the sake of others' rights. Um, you know, I do believe education is a form of activism. And, but I think that those folks are just, are, are really the heroes of what's going on right now. And um, as I salute all of those people who are, who are doing that good work to get people access to um the medical services they need whether it's abortion or gender affirming care or whatever um i just have the utmost respect for those folks well said thanks dr g yeah thanks true well we'll see folks next time all right everyone have a great day great night all right bye y'all